We are on week two of our series we're calling Instead, and it's a series about getting rid of the old and grabbing hold of the new. So instead of doing things the old way, now we're going to do things the new way. Instead of the old thought patterns, we're going to grab hold of godly thought patterns. Uh, We're looking at a variety of scriptures that have the word instead included or implied, and it's basically Romans 12, 2. applied to a variety of circumstances. So let's look at Romans 12 too. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we could put an instead in there. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So do you believe in the transforming power of the gospel? Amen. I believe in the transforming power of the gospel. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in the lives of so many people. God wants to transform our lives. What is the mechanism for that? The mechanism is the renewing of your mind. So don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, to the thought processes, the ways of thinking, the emotional dynamics of this world. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Have godly thought processes, godly understanding godly vision and your life will change so we need the renewing of the mind we need our vision our thoughts to change then we we don't conform but instead we're transformed and it's not enough to just reject bad things we need to embrace good things we need to replace the old ways of thinking with new ways of thinking. And so uh, here's the analogy with that. So what if I was to tell you not to think about unicorns? Don't think about unicorns. How many people are thinking about unicorns more than you were a minute ago? Yeah, okay, so we just brought up unicorns. And there's all kinds of things like the Bible says don't do this. And when you hear don't do this, you're starting to think about it, you know, and it comes up. And so if I was to say, okay, now I need you to have good willpower and don't think about unicorns. We're going to take 15 seconds to not think about unicorns. No unicorns. Get the unicorns out of your mind. No pink unicorns. No light blue unicorns. No unicorns with a a swirly different colored little uh, horn. Just get all the unicorns, magical unicorns. Get them all out of your mind. What are you thinking about? Unicorns. So just trying to not do something is very difficult. However, if we replace that with something else, like if I say, okay, don't think about unicorns, but think about alligators, great, big, scary alligators. I saw a YouTube video of a dude feeding an alligator with a raw chicken on the end of a pole. And like, So he just is like fishing with this chicken and pretty soon this alligator, the thing looked like it was 25 feet long. I mean, they must feed this thing chickens like five times a day because this thing is huge, big, massive, huge alligator. Now, does that help you not think about unicorns? Yeah, because you're thinking about a chicken and, you know, you're thinking about alligators. So replacing the wrong thoughts with the right. Instead of being jealous and upset about something, you just cast your cares upon the Lord and you just give thanks to God and enter into worship or whatever. But you have to replace the old with the new. Then it will work well. And Jesus describes this in Matthew chapter 12, verses 34 through, I'm sorry, 43 through 45. Jesus says, when an evil spirit comes out of a man, 
So hallelujah, evil spirit came out. That's good. When an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. How many people have kicked a bad habit, have gotten rid of a bad thought process, have even separated themselves from an evil spiritual force just to have it come back, just to get re-tempted a month later, just to fall back into the same pattern. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied. That's the key. Unoccupied, swept clean, and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that man is worse than the first. That is how it will be with this wicked generation. So what Jesus is saying is when we get the evil spirit out, we need to fill ourselves up with the Holy Spirit. We need to get good things in there so that there's no room for the darkness to come back in. So if we can replace the old habits and the old thought patterns and even to the extent of evil spiritual forces that are influencing us, if we get free from those and we just fill up all those spaces, then it's very difficult for them to infiltrate and come back into our life. So we need to replace the wrong thinking with the right thinking. We need an instead. Instead of that, do this. And so last week, we looked at letting your light shine. We looked at Matthew 14 through 16. So let's read through that quickly by way of recap. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. He says that to us. We are the light of the world. That's a heavy responsibility. It's a huge, huge thing to understand. Jesus doesn't say, I am the light of the world. He says, you are the light of the world. Now, of course, we carry Jesus to the world. We're the hands and feet of Christ. So we are the light of the world, which is an amazing, amazing thing. We talked about that last week. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. So not a light under a bowl. Instead, a light on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So instead of hiding our faith, instead of just having our personal relationship with Jesus in our prayer closet, Jesus is saying, let your light shine. Instead of hiding it, let it out. So two steps to that. First one, you've got to get the light of Christ in you. You've got to have the light of God in you because you can't share what you don't have. You can come to church for years and years and not get that God thing in your heart. You need to get that God thing in your heart because, again, you can't share what you don't have. Now, the good news is, is God wants to light a fire in your soul. That's the good news. So you don't need to be afraid. You don't need to be concerned. You don't need to be worried. You just say, hallelujah, God wants to light a fire in my soul, and you open yourself up to the power of God. And then step two is instead of being ashamed, you let your light shine. Instead of being afraid to pray for your meal in a restaurant where people might notice you, you just go ahead and do it anyway. You let your light shine. There, instead of holding on to bitterness, you forgive. Instead of uh, holding grudges, you love when it isn't deserved. There's lots of ways to let our light shine. Volunteering in church, you know, saying hi to somebody at church, love God and follow the Holy Spirit's leading. Let your light shine. God is relying on us 
to shed his love around the world. This week, we're going to talk about stumbling blocks. So let's pray. We'll get into new material this morning. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, for each one here. And Lord, I know that uh, we're all going through different things and we all need a different touch from you. So Father, I pray that by your spirit, you would touch each one of us with exactly what we need so that we could believe in you better, so that we could get free from stuff that's holding us down, Lord, that we could uh, serve you more effectively, Lord, that we could just grab hold of that abundant life a little better today. So, Lord, touch us, each one, with exactly what we need. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. No stumbling blocks. Romans 14, 13 has an instead in it. Romans 14, 13 says this, Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. So this is talking about Christians uh, judging other Christians, Christians evaluating and not liking and saying this is wrong with that and that's wrong with this with other believers. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, so replace that with make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. So instead of judging, instead of evaluating and thinking, oh, this should be different, that should be that, this should be this, instead of judging, make up your mind not to be a hindrance, not to put any stumbling block in your brother's way. So we've talked before about the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful. That means there is lots of opportunity in this dark world to make the world a better place. You have lots of opportunities to bring joy and love and peace into a world of hate and animosity and discord. We can bring the love of Christ into this world. There's lots of opportunities. We can make a positive difference in this world. But this scripture says, yes, you can have a tremendous influence, but your influence could be positive, it could be neutral, or it could even be a negative influence. How many people have had well-meaning believers be a negative influence in your life? That's a stumbling block. That's a person who's, maybe they're trying their best to help you, but what they've done is hindered your uh, your journey with Christ. So instead of having a negative influence on people by judging people, now if someone else is judging you, is that going to help you? You come to church and everybody's just looking at you thinking, wow, they should really straighten up because man, is that going to help your walk with Christ? Not at all. That's a stumbling block. It's a problem. And so instead of that, don't put a stumbling block in their way. Make sure to not have a negative influence on other people. Don't be a stumbling block. Now, there's some assumptions in this Romans 14, 13 that I think are very, very important to talk about because uh, we don't want to misapply this concept. First thing, if we're not going to put a stumbling block in somebody's way, the assumption is, is that they are trying to follow Christ. They're trying, so don't get in the way. They're working on it. Don't mess them up. Um, some people aren't trying, <laughs> you know, and they need to be engaged, right? Some people are just 
lost sheep. They're away from God. They don't know what they need. We don't just abdicate and say, oh, well, I'm not going to place a stumbling block in their way and just not go. We go to them. We engage them. That's what we do in that circumstance. But when somebody is working and they're making progress with the Lord and we just get in the way, that's when we don't put a stumbling block in their way. And by doing nothing, we're actually making more progress. Um, Another assumption is God is dealing with this person. So give God space to work. If the person is trying to make progress, trying to learn the things of God, they've got a variety of problems, a variety of issues. God is dealing with them. Give God space to work. Amen? Amen. All right. And then the last very important assumption is that we need to be wise in how we apply this concept of don't place a stumbling block in somebody's way. This is no excuse for complacency. We will still have missions programs. We will still do evangelism. We will still reach out. Most of the time, we aggressively shine our light. But there are times when we wisely recognize that a person doesn't need to be called out on their little issues but instead they need to be given space for God to help them grow. Now, one of the goals I have for Good Hope Church that we've had since the beginning is that uh, just for me personally, I thought, wouldn't it be great if we were able to create a church culture where I, Mike Stevens, could be welcome here at all the different stages of my life? I've been a lot of different people. You know, I was an unchurched elementary aged kid at one stage in my life. If a friend brought me here and I had no idea what was going on, could I fit in here? At one stage, I was a, uh, a 19 year old atheist who was rather unpleasant to deal with from a theological perspective. Would I be welcome here? At one point, I was a 20-year-old, like, really, really wanting to understand God because I knew God was real, but I didn't have a clue as to how this all worked. And so I would ask all kinds of terrible questions, and the Christians would just get mad at me for asking these various questions because they didn't know the answers. And I don't know, but they'd just get mad. If I was... a you know, a 27-year-old, just newly spirit-filled believer who's just excited about the power of God and what it means to have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, would I fit in here? As a 30-something, like, let's go change the world, jump off the ministry cliff, let's do anything, would I fit in? Wouldn't it be neat to have a culture, a church culture, where I could fit in at all my various stages of life? And be given the space to have God move in my life. What a glorious thing that would be. But too often in church culture, we put stumbling blocks in people's way. So let's talk about that in a little bit more detail here as we go. The backdrop of Romans 14.13 is nitpicky religious rules. So let's read Romans 14.1. Anybody familiar with nitpicky religious rules? There's a few. All right. Let's look at Romans 14.1. Here the Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Rome, says, Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. 
So accept the weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. So are the Ten Commandments disputable matters? No, (laughs) not disputable. You don't get to be, well, you know, I'm just a new believer, so I'm going to keep murdering people. Like, no, that's not disputable. Uh, However, there are disputable matters. There are issues of, well, I'm not really sure if that's okay or not. In the book of uh, Romans here, Paul is talking about some specific things like what they can eat. They're looking at the Jewish kosher rules, and they were very strict on their diet. And you've got a lot of Gentile believers, and they don't understand why you can't eat certain things. And and uh, so there's all these questions of what you can eat, what you can't eat. And then there's the the religious holidays, and you know how does the Sabbath fit in now? And you know because the Lord's Day is Sunday, the Sabbath is Saturday, and we've got these other holy days and how does this all work and and so they had questions about following religious holy days and so it was really about what you eat and how you follow religious holy days and these were things that people would get in big fights about you know like what you had the pork chop you can't have the pork chop that's a disaster you you clearly don't love god if you're going to eat a pork chop you know and they'd have these big fights and that seems kind of odd to us but the there are parallels in our world to the same thing. You know, there's, uh, for example, uh, instead of what you eat, for us, what you drink can be an issue. You know, coffee's okay. Wine is... As a Assemblies of God minister, I took a abstinence from alcohol vow when I became a pastor. And it's part of this stumbling block thing. The idea is if you're a pastor and some 15-year-old sees you having a beer at Applebee's, they're going to be more likely to step into using chemicals. And so instead of doing that, hey, just don't do it. Don't, don't be an influence in that way. Let it go. If you can't have the strength to abstain, then you shouldn't be in that position. Uh, and that's the Assemblies of God stance, and I agree with it, and I uh, gladly submit to that expectation. But alcohol can be a contentious issue. Can we drink alcohol or not? Um, holy days. Let's talk about Halloween. That's coming up this week, right? We got Halloween. When I was a new Christian, man, you, you'd better hide in the basement on Halloween or the evil would get you. You know, you had to hide in the basement. I don't know how many people lived in that world where, you know, it was like the devil's holiday. And if you, if you gave somebody a Snickers bar, you were going to hell. It was just as simple as that. So, uh, you know, that can be a contention. I had a person quit the church one time because they didn't feel like I hated Halloween enough. Well, I hated Halloween, just not enough. You know, like, you should be more angry at Halloween. Like, well, okay, you know, I'm mad about it, sure. I'm super mad about Halloween, right? But they they were just, like, not convinced. And uh, then that was a contentious thing. So there can be these um, <clears throat> disputable matters that can create issues. And we don't want to get sidetracked by fighting over these disputable matters. And so let's look at 2 Timothy 2, 23 and 24. Some of my very, very favoritest verses. 2 Timothy 2, 23. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. How many people think that the word of God is relevant even today? 
from thousands of years ago. It says, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. May those come up in today's culture. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Because, you know, they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, this might be a foreshadowing of a future sermon here. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. So instead of getting caught up in foolish and stupid arguments, instead of that, we stay kind, we stay able to instruct others, not resentful, not getting caught up in the half-truth emotional response, you know, sort of a process pattern of this world that's going on. Instead, we don't get mired in these confusing controversies that are just off topic from the gospel. Let's talk about the blood of Christ. Let's talk about the redemption of God, abundant life in Christ. Let's talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's talk about the things of God. So we don't want to get mired in these confusing controversies. What are some examples of stumbling blocks? Well, these confusing controversies, for starters, you know, they're definitely a stumbling block. Then you've got things like legalism, hypocrisy, dysfunction, discord, off-base expectations. There are lots of types of stumbling blocks that can knock people over. Um, if So hypocrisy, for example, if I am... Uh, really excited about the Lord and a good friend of mine turns out to have a moral failure or do something really stupid, it can affect my faith, right? It can be a stumbling block in my life. Uh, if there's church fights and disputes, it can be something that gets people away from God. It's a stumbling block. It causes problems and stops people from being able to grow in the Lord. Instead, they're focused on this church dispute, this church fight. Um, and sometimes even doing something that's perfectly fine, but hurts someone else can be a stumbling block. Romans 14, 19 through 21. So this is back in the, in Romans 14, where Paul says, um, don't judge one another. Instead, don't put a stumbling block in your way. Just a few verses later, it says this, Romans fourteen nineteen. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. So our goal is peace and mutual, mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean. So is Paul saying it's okay to eat a pork chop? Yep. He's saying before God... Pork chop, the steak, fish, or, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. It's all good. You could be a vegetarian before God, doesn't matter, is what he's saying. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a man to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. Years ago, I knew someone who only listened to Christian music. Very important. Only Christian music. To the point of not listening to classical music. You know, no Beethoven, no Bach, no Mozart, only Christian music. Now, for one thing, of course, a lot of them wrote their music for the church, so it actually was Christian music. Um, 
But this person's all, you know, wanting to clean up their life and have no, you know, the garbage in, garbage out thing, not wanting to have bad influences coming in. So they're just going to listen to Christian music. No Bach, you know. And uh, uh, so another person that I knew who liked cl- uh, classical music would always be playing classical music. But if they had an appointment with this person, they would just shut it off. You know, take the Bach and just push stop and have a conversation with the person so that it wasn't about whether or not classical music is okay. Because that's a confusing controversy that doesn't make any difference. Who cares? Let's not have it be about whether or not Bach is okay. Let's talk about something significant with God. And so there's nothing wrong with listening to classical music, of course. But in this situation, because this individual wanted to love the other person, he's just like, you know, I'm just going to let that go. I'm just going to shut it off so as to not be a stumbling block for my friend. Let's keep reading next couple verses. Verse 21. It is better not to eat meat or drink anything that will cause your brother to fall. I got another. No, that's it. Uh, Yeah, 15. That'd be great. Put 15 up there. If your brother is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not, by your eating, destroy your brother for whom Christ died. So our goal is peace and mutual edification. We want to act in love towards other people. Sometimes that means giving up something that isn't even wrong to do, but it may hurt someone else. So we want to not be a stumbling block for other people. We want to keep on topic instead of getting all worked up over foolish uh, controversies. It can be a mess. I'm going to keep going. Let's talk a little bit about off-base expectations. Expectations can be a stumbling block. If you are expected to do a particular thing, to act a particular way, it can be difficult. Like, for example, if, you know, well, real worshipers raise both their hands, close their eyes, and cry. (laughs) If you're, you better do that, you know, so you better raise your hands and close your eyes and cry. If you need to leave a long nose hair so you can pull on it and get the eyes watering, that's what you got to do. But you got to raise your arms, you got to close your eyes and cry, or you really don't love God. You know, uh, that would be an expectation. Have you had people put expectations on you and it just gets in the way? And so the issue can be that we have this external expectation that we're trying to meet, but we're not dealing with the thing on the inside. And Jesus talks about this in Matthew 23, the chapter on the woes. He's yelling at the religious elite publicly, and he's just letting them have it. And here's one of the woes, verses 25 and 26. Jesus says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. So he's saying, Jesus is saying to the religious elite, hey, you're putting on a good front and you're acting all holy and pious, but on the inside, you've got issues. If you dealt with the inside, you would put forth the right uh, image to other people. Deal with your heart. That's when it's going to make a difference. And so here's my fun little phrase. You ready for Pastor Mike's fun phrase of the day? 
requiring the appearance of a growing relationship with the Lord without truly cultivating a growing relationship with the Lord creates weird religious goofiness. We'll go through it again. So requiring the appearance of a growing relationship with the Lord. So there are symptoms of a growing relationship with the Lord. If we expect people to show those symptoms, but we're not actually dealing with their heart, you know, like, oh, raise your hands, close your eyes and cry, you know, and they're, they're not feeling it, but, oh, there's a lot of pressure. I guess I better do that. Now they're dealing with outward appearances. They're trying to mimic the outward appearance of something going on on the inside without that thing going on on the inside. Then you get weird religious goofiness. We want, we must avoid that because that's a stumbling block and it's a disaster. These weird off base expectations can be just a mess. So for example, is it important to be full of faith? Christians are to be full of faith. Come on. We're to be believing God to move mountains, to slay the giants, to bring victory in situations that seem hopeless. We're supposed to be full of faith. That is a symptom of a growing relationship with the Lord. Are there some times when you're just not full of faith? Now, if you have to fake it in order to fit in in church, do we have a problem? Oh, man. We have a problem. You've got to be able to be honest and say, I know I should be full of faith right now, but I just think everything's going to fall apart. I just, my, it looks like my life is just a disaster. I don't know what to do. And you need somebody to say, oh, honey, let me give you a hug. And let's talk about that. Let me pray with you. Uh, I know what you're feeling because I've been through that too. Right? So if we, if we require somebody to act like everything's going great with the Lord when it isn't, we get weird religious goofiness. We're supposed to be full of joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. What if we're just not? And then we have to fake it. It's a disaster. It's a stumbling block. What about tithing? Well, you know, true believers submit their financial lives to the Lord as well. So you better give your 10%. You know, I know you've been a Christian for six days, but you know, let me see your tax return. Let's get this thing squared away. Uh, is that going to be helpful? Oh man, that's why I pray for the offering the way I do. Because here's the deal on these disputable matters, on these issues, the line is in different places for different people and it moves. Your responsibility for giving when you're a new believer is not going to be a whole lot. However, as you mature as a Christian, your responsibility for giving is going to increase. And you have to be properly led by the Lord to find out when it's time for you to change your giving patterns. It's You have to discern that. I'm not going to impose an expectation on you. You've got to discern that. The line is in different places for different people and it moves. It it. You know, as we advance in the Lord, our, our spiritual disciplines need to increase. If we apply a highly advanced responsibility for spiritual discipline on a brand new believer, it's going to do them damage. It's going to be a, an off-base expectation. If we clean the inside of the cup and dish, then everything else is going to take care of itself. So let's have the courage to clean the inside of the cup and dish. 
to not be afraid to look and see, you know what, I, I'm going through so much suffering, I don't even know if God is real anymore. Okay, let's talk about that. Let's, let's look at that. Let's go there instead of, what? Nope, you believe in the Lord, you're fully committed. Let's raise your hands and close your eyes and cry. Come on, man. You know, like, nope, nope, let's, let's clean the inside of the cup and dish. Let's find out what's really going on. Let's work on that. Let's be real. That's when work gets done. Now, you can also have off-base expectations that you put on yourself, personal expectations. And then you're just placing a stumbling block in front of yourself. Don't do that. Two more points. Second to the last point. When it comes to stumbling blocks, who places the stumbling block? It's usually somebody else, right? That's what Romans 14, 13 is talking about, is somebody placing a stumbling block in front of somebody else. Who is damaged by stumbling? It's the one who stumbles. And so take responsibility to pick up your feet as you're walking down the narrow path following the Lord. Because people will place stumbling blocks in front of you. The dark world will place stumbling blocks. Not just Christians will put stumbling blocks in front of you. The enemy will put stumbling blocks in front of you. You'll put stumbling blocks in front of yourself. Learn to pick your feet up because you're the one who's going to be hurt when you stumble. Just because you have someone to blame doesn't mean your life is going to be okay. Take responsibility for getting the victory yourself. When I was a new believer and I felt called to ministry, no one encouraged me. No one. Everyone said, don't you do that. (laughs) Don't do it. No one encouraged me. Not a single person. Is that a potential stumbling block? Yeah, pick up your feet. (laughs) You step over it. Amen? A Christian mentor falls, does something stupid, has a moral failure, could be a stumbling block. Pick up your feet. Don't let that stop you from following the Lord. You don't stumble. Pick up your feet. There's going to be plenty of stumbling blocks that come. Just step over them. Yeah, goofy Christian says something stupid when you're grieving. Step over it. All right, I'm going to invite the prayer teams up. We've got one more scripture we're going to read. We're going to close in just a minute. Jesus describes this basic process and he helps to give us something we should do instead of placing a stumbling block in somebody's way. You know, Romans 14, 13 said, don't judge, instead don't place a stumbling block. Jesus takes it a step further and gives us something else to do instead. So yes, make a straight path for that person. Give them room to learn and grow. Don't impose unrealistic expectations on them. Don't put a stumbling block in their path. Jesus gives us another thing in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew 7 verse 1. Do not judge or you too will be judged. 
For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and in the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So the thing you posted on Facebook, you will be judged that way by God. The discussion you had with your family about that horrible political person, that's how you will be judged by God. It's very dangerous. You want to be very careful. Don't judge others because with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So Paul says in Romans 14, don't judge each other. Jesus says, don't judge. It's a dangerous situation. Paul says instead, don't place a stumbling block in front of them. What does Jesus say? Verse three, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? (laughs) Saying, yeah, they have issues, sure, but so do you. Deal with your issues. Verse four, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. The plank in your eye is a stumbling block to someone else. Now, let me tell you, your life will be way better if you get the plank out of your eye. You think your life will be better if they get the speck out of their eye. But your life will be way better if you get the plank out of yours. That's where things are going to get better. And that's when you can be a positive influence in this world instead of tripping people up with your own issues. So let's pray that instead of judging others, so when you see something and you're like, yeah, rotten, worthless, you think, okay, let me look at myself. Instead of having those judging thoughts, self-evaluate and do so in faith. I'm not saying think you're a bad person. I'm saying self-evaluate. Make some progress today. Let's look at ourselves. Let's get some planks out. So let's ask the Lord to show us some planks that we can remove and to prompt us whenever we have thoughts of they need to do this, they should change that, oh, oh, oh. Hey, let's get planks out. Then maybe we can step into that situation and make a difference. Let's pray along those lines, and then I'll invite people up for personal prayer. It's a great time to come get some personal prayer. Whatever the need is, come get prayer. Let's pray together first. Heavenly Father, we just give you praise, and we thank you, Lord, that you transform lives. And so we yield to you, and we say that we are open to be being transformed by the renewing of our mind. And Lord, help us to replace judgmental thoughts. Help us to replace critical thoughts, Lord, with with self-evaluation and getting better. Lord, help us to remove the planks in our eyes that may be stumbling blocks to other people. Lord, help us to take responsibility for those things, even though the other people are doing plenty of things wrong. But instead of focusing on that, Let's focus on getting free ourselves. So, Father, show us right now, each one individually, Lord, what's a plank we need to remove from our eye? And give us faith to see that removed and faith to know how much better our lives will be if that plank is removed and how much more effective for your kingdom we will be if that plank is removed. So, Heavenly Father, just bless us in that way. Encourage us. Father, I pray your peace upon each person in this place. Lord, let your joy be uh, within us, even in the midst of difficulty. And Father, let us know your love fully and completely 
so that we can be filled up with your love and have plenty extra to share with the people in this world who are hard to love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.